This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Let's turn together to Acts chapter 11. Again, I marvel at how God orchestrates these services. I'd like to attribute it to just great planning. We try hard, but you can't do what the Holy Spirit does. And God has used the music today, and uh, I believe he'll use this text to challenge us as we get ready for missions conference. His timing is perfect, isn't it? Especially, too, when we think about the fact that we just finished an evangelistic training, the exchange And there are a lot of folks sitting in here this morning, you have been energized by the Lord uh, and the gospel uh, to take that good news to folks, uh, meet them, relationally love them, and, uh, and, and love them to Jesus by giving them the truth about their condition and what Jesus can do about it. Jesus saves. The book of Acts doesn't tell us just the story of the church. Now, it's an exciting story. When you have in early chapters thousands being saved after a preaching time that's spontaneous, uh, that's, that's pretty exciting, what God is doing. But it also tells us how God building his church was using people, ordinary people, who were yielded to an extraordinary God. And what we see in the book of Acts, God wants to continue all through the church age. I think we're getting a taste of it here at Good News, and uh, I hope it's just whetting your appetite for more. God wants to continue to reach the world to himself. The book of Acts also teaches us how Christians are to relate to each other so that the building can continue. The Lord told us to go and make disciples, our missions conference theme, to do that to the uttermost parts of the earth. Christians need to develop the mindset, if there's a place on earth where there isn't a gospel witness, I need to seriously ask God if he wants me to go there. As comfortable Americans, that's going to take some self-sacrifice. That's going to take saying no to your thoughts that want to convince you, that's not for me. But as the Lord continues his work, what God is also doing is he's bringing together people of great cultural differences. Let me just ask a simple question. Do you ever see a person, a fellow human, and what they are, whatever that may be, causes you not to like them? Okay, drop the piety for just a minute, all right? Say, yes, I drive around Hampton Roads. I dislike people all the time, okay? But honestly... 
do you ever see somebody and, and, and what you see is just like, ugh. Maybe, and we live in this kind of an age, maybe moms are shielding the eyes of their kids. Don't look at that. Isn't that true? We live in a pagan culture where sinners are acting like sinners. But the Lord wants to save those sinners and make them into his image. And so, how does God bring all those cultures and all those differences into one place that he has redeemed called his church? Paul in Ephesians 1 tells us what God is doing in the church for his glory. And in Ephesians 1, 6, he says this, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now that word beloved speaks of Christ. All right? Through grace, God accepts. That doesn't mean that he tolerates us. It means he favors us in Christ. But do you know what that means? That means that we should... Uh, that should make us accept each other. Hmm. Wow. And the book of Acts helps us understand what that looks like. But with our cultures and our backgrounds, sometimes this is difficult, especially if our background also includes careful to please Christ, Christianity. I want, to, I want to just pause for a moment. There's con, we refer to conservative Christianity today, but that may not be biblical Christianity. What I think we ought to be focused on is careful to please Christ Christianity. Another word that you recognize is Christ-likeness Christianity. But that's different than conservative Christianity because some of our, us were raised at a time when these were the norms and these norms, we started to look at, well, that's what a Christian is. And if somebody said, well, prove that from the Bible, you'd have a hard time doing it. We need to be Christ-like not just conservative or, or fit into some, some societal church, nor whatever, okay? You do realize that time changes things. God ought to be growing our perspective. He ought to be growing our convictions. And what the Bible teaches doesn't change, but we always need to make sure that what the Bible says is the way we look at life and how we look at others. Now, from our text, we need to see what matters to our Savior. Accepting as equals other Christians who have placed their faith in Him and who desire to please Him in all things, regardless of their background or culture. Now, please don't run ahead of me and think, well, pastor is saying we need to move the line of what godliness looks like. What, what Christ-likeness is. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying make sure wherever you draw that line, you can support it from Scripture. Now the key to seeing other believers is seeing them as Jesus sees them. That's the key. 
How does our Savior view them? I've entitled the message today, Accepted in Christ. Accepted in Christ. Our study in the book of Acts brings us from chapter 10, where a Roman army officer and his family are gloriously saved, to chapter 11, where some Jewish Christians in Jerusalem are asking this, Peter, what were you even doing in that guy's house where you probably ate Gentile food? <gasps> That's really what this boils down to. Peter, what were you doing? Now look at chapter 11, verse 1. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And they had a praise meeting and shared testimonies about how wonderful that was. Oh, wait a minute. That's not what it says. Verse 2, and when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, and we don't know how long he was in Caesarea, but they stayed a period of time. They ministered. Probably others were saved. When I get to heaven, I want to ask Cornelius, so did you guys become a church in Caesarea? What happened? What, what took place there? Okay. Bible doesn't tell us. What it does tell us is that when they come back to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision, a reference to Jewish Christians. Now, these are not the apostles, but these are some other Jewish Christians contended with him, with Peter. What? Yeah. Now, contended is a Greek word that actually has two parts. It means to separate in two, to make a division. Okay, the last part of the word, krenos, means to divide. Di means to divide in two. That's the word. So it's the same word. If you look down at verse 12, you're in chapter 11. Look down at verse 12. And the Spirit bade me go with them. And notice the next two words. Nothing doubting that's the same greek word translated nothing doubting in other words they were they didn't debate should we go to cornelius's house should we go to their side those people are different they didn't debate that they just followed the lord's leading and they went now, what should have brought praise to God in Jerusalem instead becomes a problem. By the way, anytime there's division, disunity in the church, somebody is not thinking Bible. Scripture says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. We are united based on what God says in his word. And so let's look at the problem. Verse 3, here's what they were saying. Thou wentest unto men uncircumcised and didst eat with them. Now there is a problem here, but the problem wasn't with Peter. So let's take a moment just to evaluate the problem. The problem was with their thinking. First of all, remember, Jesus told his disciples to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth, Acts 1.8. Now, do you think that when you go to the uttermost part of the earth, people are going to be different? They sure are. 
Do you think they're going to look at life like you do? Nope. And by the way, if you're a Christian, there are going to be extreme differences. Because where we're to go, there's spiritual darkness out there. Remember that the Lord had also said to the disciples, they were to go to all nations, Matthew 28, 19. And so they, they weren't thinking that. Here's something else they weren't thinking. This wasn't the Lord's first work among Gentiles. We already saw back in Acts 8, 14 to 25, the Samaritans had been saved. And the apostles had sent Peter and John to investigate what was happening. And they came back to Jerusalem and they declared that God was saving Gentiles. So this shouldn't have been a surprise. By the way, even going further back, you go to John's gospel, John chapter 4, Jesus had ministered days in Samaria. Let me just ask you this, when Jesus was in Samaria with the disciples after the woman at the well gets saved, others get saved, do you think that they ever ate with any of those people? They sure did. What was the criticism of the Pharisees about Jesus? You eat with sinners. Okay. Not just sinners, but even what they eat. Ah. Okay. All right. So this wasn't just a prejudice problem, though culture played a part. It was a theological problem. How so? They didn't understand the relationship between law and grace. Which, by the way, Jesus came and he, he explained all that in his earthly ministry. They should have known. Jesus said, I didn't come to annul the law. I came to fulfillment, sir, fulfill it. Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus not only fulfilled the law, but he gave the spirit of the law. So they had his example. They didn't understand law and grace. The law was given to teach us about the holiness of God and to show us that we could not attain to that holiness. It's a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ because we are sinners who have fallen short. That's the law. It's too tall, it's too great for any of us to keep it perfectly and then be able to attain God's righteousness that way. No, all have sinned and fallen short. Okay. So they didn't understand that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. God sent Jesus and he bore our sin on himself. They also didn't understand the difference between Israel and the church. You remember what God told Abraham, through you all nations of the earth will be what? Blessed. Why? Through Abraham would come Messiah, Savior of the world. So this is a theological problem. This is a thinking problem, and it's within the church. Now this led to legalism. It led to spiritual blindness. Let's be honest, they had spiritual blind spots that would then prevent them from carrying out the Great Commission. And it's so critical that we understand this because 
when people come in to this assembly who don't know Christ, how you respond to them matters. When you're out there and you see someone who maybe is bound by sin, they, they just don't seem right, they're probably addicted to something. How you respond to them matters. They need to see Jesus. They don't need to see your opinion of them. I can tell you stories, and I won't, of times as a pastor that we tried to reach people and we have to get past how they were treated when they first came to church. Hmm. All right. So Jewish tradition said Gentiles had to become Jews to be accepted. Now the word of the Lord said both were equal in the church through faith in Jesus the Messiah. I want to just have you think about, listen to Galatians 3, 26 to 28. If you want to turn there, that's fine. Here's what it says. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now stop for a moment. This is not talking about water baptism. This is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When I told God I was a sinner, when I agreed with him about that, and I believed on the finished work of Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, do you know that at that moment the Holy Spirit of God took Mike and plunged me into the body of Christ? All in. All right. Put on Christ. Now, what does that result in? There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither is there male or female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, let's, let's pause for a moment. Does that mean all those distinctions are completely erased? Well, they're not completely erased because... God made those distinctions. Not everybody's a Jew. There are Gentiles. God made us male and female, and there are no other options. Okay. God did that. And there are those that are slaves. In fact, we could go to the New Testament and show you where Paul instructs Slaves, how to be like Christ before their masters. And then there are those who are free, who are also told to be like Christ towards those who are slaves. Okay. But in Christ, when we gather like an assembly here, you know what? We're equal. In fact, the Lord will say to the Philippians, you look on each other as being more important than you are in the church. Now, I'm called to be pastor. You know what that means? I'm privileged to be the, the lead servant around here. And what was Paul's favorite term? I'm a bond slave. <laughs> Try that. What? No, no, no. Yeah, we're kings and priests, but there's only one King Jesus. And there's only one high priest. He's the head. We're the body. All right. 
So we are not winning people to our way of life. That's not what being a Christian is. What we're used to, what makes us comfortable, what we think is safe. By the way, there are preachers that will stand in pulpits this morning and they'll preach things as Bible that are not Bible. Why? Because their convictions, well, here's what God said, but I'm going to help God be a little safer. Uh, Here's where he put the fences to protect the sheep, but I, I think we need additional fences, so here's what I think. No, the Bible doesn't need to be improved on. The good shepherd doesn't need somebody to help him figure it out when it comes to taking care of his sheep. We need to follow what the good shepherd says. We are seeking to win the loss to Jesus Christ and his way of life. Total transformation into his image where all things are passed away and all things become new. And so, by the way, when we think biblically, we also think in such a way that counters what's happening in a lot of Christianity today. Where, okay, you're a Christian, you're at liberty to do whatever you want. No, you're not. That's not Bible and that's not like Christ. When Jesus was around sinners, every time he dealt with the sin. He wasn't dismissive. He didn't look the other way. The Son of God is holy. He's God. All right. Old things become new. This does mean avoid sin, but let me be clear, not your definition of what is sin. Christians sometimes can respond to other Christians because, well, they didn't do what I preferred, and I think that's sinful. No? No? Sorry? We're not to love the world, the things that are in the world. We conduct ourselves in a way that is always holy and only draws attention to Christ as his ambassadors. So the way I talk, the way I dress, the way I conduct myself, all that either draws attention to me or it draws attention to Jesus. I shouldn't be any drawing any attention to me. I should be drawing attention to Jesus. He must increase, I must. God hadn't changed his thinking on that. So, what I wear matters. Whatever marks I make on my body, that matters. Okay? Well, I made marks on my body before I got saved. Okay, God knows that. And you can still be a testimony and a bright light for Christ. But don't do anything else to draw attention to you. He saved you to be an ambassador. Modesty, distinction, all that matters. And it matters for men and for women. I don't like the UN, but I did notice when they all assemble there, there's a dress code. Why? Because they all represent their nations. They don't represent themselves. There are senators in Washington that need to figure that out, but anyway. So we demonstrate before the world in love that the the Christ nature is different in every way from the old nature as we share the gospel with them. I've got news for you, and again, this is I want to interview Cornelius when I get to heaven. 
Do you think Cornelius and his household, they were already different. They were already trying to follow God. Do you think that after they got saved, they, they went back to their pagan ways in Caesarea? Not at all. Not at all. In fact, that was the complaint across the Roman Empire when people were getting saved. They were abandoning the old gods and they were abandoning the old ways to please Christ. Now watch as Peter addresses the problem in verse 4. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by uh, order unto them saying, all right, this is the account by account of what happened. Peter emphasizes two factors. First, this was God's doing, verses 5 to 16. Second, we must not resist God. Seems simple, right? So look at verse 5. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. A certain vessel descended, as it had been a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even unto me. And Peter's going to uh, share what we looked at in detail back in chapter 10. But we need to read the, the text here. Upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord. Pause for a moment, will you? Dramatic pause. Shh. Peter is talking to Christians, Jewish Christians, who are giving him a hard time about the same thing he just had a dream about. What Peter is really saying here is my response was just like yours. Not so, Lord. Ouch. For nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered my mouth. See, Peter's boasting to the Lord, hey, this is who I am. You, you should like it. But the voice answered me again from heaven, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Again, I want to pause. Obviously, this is a reference to things that Jewish people weren't supposed to eat according to the law. I want to be faithful to the scripture, but you know what? When we get past the meat, we can apply this to men. What God hath cleansed, don't call that common. Don't view others that way. And this was done three times. And all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately uh, there were three men already come unto the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me. And, and, and what we understand is these witnesses had come with Peter back to Jerusalem. So they're standing there, probably nodding their heads. That's exactly what happened. And we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee, and I think I asked you to underline this before in your Bible, words, thou and all thy house shall, whereby thou and all thy house shall be what? Say, faith comes by hearing the word, the word of God. Verse 15. 
And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning, a reference to Pentecost. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. By the way, verse 16 confirms what I said earlier. This isn't talking about water baptism. This is Holy Spirit baptism, not a second event that happens after salvation, at salvation, the Holy Spirit places us into the body of Christ. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Peter's on solid ground here. Why? Well, the Lord had told him to go to Cornelius. The words of the gospel were shared that brought salvation. The Holy Spirit entered into them at the same time baptizing them, immersing them into the body of Christ. This was undeniably God's work. And by the way, again, verse 12, there were six other Christians who were there who witnessed all of it. So let's apply this. When there's a contention between believers... Always go to what God has said and what he has done. I don't have to agree with you and you don't have to agree with me, but we do have to agree with God. Okay? So that's, we go to the word of God, that's where we find our unity. And in, a, in that context, if there's something where we haven't agreed with God, we've got to confess that and agree with God. By the way, sometimes as we're trying to get there, we offend each other and we need to agree with God that's wrong and we need to get right with each other. So this is what Peter does. This is his response. Go to what God said and then what he did. And notice where Peter is taking his response to these accusing Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Since this was God's doing, we must not resist God. Look at verse 17. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Now, when you look at or think on another Christian, ask these questions, okay? In fact, I'd encourage you to jot them down. Ask these questions. How does God see them? How does he see them? And I think this will be a help to you. I want to be practical. What should I say to God about how he sees them? Again, what should I say to God about how he sees them? This will help bring your mind into agreement with him. Lord, I just heard this person's testimony. They seem to be from a, a difficult background. But Lord, they've placed their faith in you. Uh, what should I say to you about them? Thanks for saving them. And thank you that you don't see us for where we're at. You see us for where you can take us. What you can make us. And by the way, as you're talking to God about how he sees them, you're praying for them. 
And maybe you do see something in their life that needs to be brought into harmony with what God says that they should be. I'm not saying that we should always smile and, and be dismissive, just, just be nice. No, no, no. Be kind. Be gentle. But then be honest. Doesn't the scripture tell us speak the truth but do it in, in love? I've had Christians tell me things where my life was out of line. And I needed to be like Christ. Is that loving? Sure is. I didn't get many amens on that, all right? That's loving. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Does the truth always tickle and make me feel fuzzy? No. But it's always good. And the truth always sets us free. Free from ourselves. Free from sin. And then finally... Ask yourself this question, what would God have me say to them about how he sees them? What would God have me to say to them about how he sees them? I have had to, with compassion, say, I see that in your life. How does that please Christ? Can we, can we at least talk about that? How's that please Christ? Or, and Paul said this, all things are lawful. In other words, he's saying things that Scripture doesn't condemn, those things are lawful. But then he says this, as, as believers who are concerned about pleasing Christ, I even go a step further. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Not everything helps me be a better Christian. Right? Uh Hebrews 12, lay aside every weight and the sins. So there are weights. And it's okay to say to another believer, hey, how does that help you be a better Christian? Fair question, because the Bible asks that. So this brings us to the resolution of the situation in the narrative, and then we're done. The resolution, verse 18 when they heard these things, they held their peace. What's that mean? There were no further objections. There really was nothing else to debate, talk about, disagree on. And, I love this, glorified God. The chief goal in any conflict is God's glory. The chief goal in the church Whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. So it turned into the praise session that it should have started with. And what did they say? Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Now, just, again, let's, let's do a sidebar together here, okay? Who is the human author of the book of Acts? Help me. Luke. What was Luke's background? Jew or Gentile? He's a Greek doctor. As I was studying this, I thought, man, this, this must have just thrilled him. He must have relished being able to write chapters 10 and 11, which encouraged his own faith as a Gentile believer. He's no different than these apostles. He's no different than these Jews up in Jerusalem. 
He's a Christian too. Wow. Now I wish I could say that this problem in the Jerusalem church was over. I wish I could say this would never be a problem in that church again or that this would not be a problem in our church again. This text needs to constantly remind us to be careful how we respond to other Christians. We need to continue to walk in the Spirit and respond correctly to brothers and sisters in Christ, especially, especially, especially the new ones. I literally have had people who attended churches that I pastored that got offended by a new Christian who wasn't like them and they left the church. I think, you know what? God graciously gave you 30 years to become what you are. And you're, you're critical of them. They've been saved 30 days. What is that? Pride. It's not spiritual. In the book of Acts, Paul would have to defend himself about this same matter. In Acts 14, we'll get there. Paul is going to have to stand in front of these same people, some of them, and defend what he was doing. Paul would have to confront Peter, Galatians 2.11, for treating Jews and Gentiles in the church differently. The same Peter who in Acts chapter 11 is, is saying these things. What's that tell me? Here's what that tells me. Mike, you're susceptible to this temptation anytime. Walk with God. If this was a struggle for apostles, oh my, I've got to walk with God so that I see clearly. Let's conclude. Generally, I dislike what is said on church signs. Now, not our church sign. That's perfect. Okay, but I'm, I'm talking about church signs. You've seen it. They often are silly. They diminish the light that Christians should be for the Lord, right? I've seen all kinds of things. In fact, we've been driving and my kids will say, Dad, did you see that? Yeah, I saw it. I'm trying to forget it. Okay. But I did see a church sign recently that was great. I think I saw it on Facebook. Here's what it said. You know what God left out of the Bible? Your opinion. <laughs> I thought... That's, that's pretty good. Now, we're laughing, but let me tell you, I, I disagree with that. God put in the Bible all kinds of man's opinions that he disagrees with. And this whole message has been about some of those opinions. He disagrees. And what he's trying to help us see is, you don't, I don't need your opinion. You need to agree with my opinion. You need to agree with what I say. And we, by the way, need to help each other agree with what he has said. So let's close. Christians are to understand our acceptance of each other. That it's based on our standing in Christ and not our opinions. Now, Christian, that doesn't mean, well, I can do whatever I want and I can be sloppy. You represent the king of kings. You are heaven's royalty and you are an ambassador for Christ. You serve the Lord God, so don't be a slob. 
And don't be sloppy in what you do privately and before the world. In all things, glorify Him. But the goal is not to make people like us, and it's not to be liked by them. The goal is to model Jesus. Lead others to Him and to encourage other Christians to be like Him. So how do you view other believers, especially the new ones? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text. Thank you for reminding us who we are in Christ. Lord, we can't be salt and light if we're like the world in their darkness. Father, we don't try to be different just to be different. So that maybe other Christians will think well of us. Obviously in this text, they didn't think well of Peter. That wasn't the point. What mattered is what you thought. And so Lord, we're accepted in the beloved. And so help us through the love of Christ to accept the beloved. Lord, to favor them with our loving, our love and our prayers. And, and then, Lord, to be true friends, to true brethren who are willing to say what needs to be said in love, to encourage others as they encourage us along the path of life as we every day approach your throne. And so, Lord, if there's any pride, help us to confess it. Lord, if we think you're pleased because we have the wrong attitude but the right standards, Lord, help us to confess that too. Lord, this world needs to know the love of Christ, but they need to see you, Lord Jesus. So give us wisdom and help us to walk in the Spirit that we not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And Father, would you use Good News Baptist Church which are the folks occupying these pews today. Use us to be like Jesus before a dying world. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.